would like to say good evening to each and every one of you here. It's certainly good to see you all. It's good to be here. I've been looking forward to being back in Plainview for quite some time, so it's a privilege for me to be here, and it's a privilege for me to have an opportunity to speak to you this evening. This evening, I want to talk to you about an unfortunate but a certain reality that we have to face today in this age, and that is that Christianity is in a constant state of decline. It's in a constant state of backsliding. And I'll tell you what kind of got me to thinking about this, what kind of turned me on to this. It was an article that was put out by a conservative group, and they had collected and compiled all this data for quite some time and, and published it with their conclusion. And what it is that they concluded was that Christianity as we know it today has approximately 27 Easter's left. I'll let that sink in a little. That in just 40 years, in just one generation, Christianity as you and I know it and see it today will not exist. Now this is what they concluded. And as we look around us, we see all of these different groups popping up. This group and that group and, and all of these different groups preaching these, these new things. They've watered down the truth of the Word of God so much that we hardly recognize the God of the Bible anymore. Now that's concerning. <coughs> And I tell you, the only reason that I'm, I'm even telling you all about this tonight is that when I, when I read these things, it was alarming to me. It was concerning. And that's why I'm telling you this evening, because it's alarming, it's concerning, and maybe that it'll get us to thinking this evening as we go into our study. Now, I'm not at all this evening telling you that we need to throw all of our eggs in that basket, jump on that train, that we got 27 Easter's left. No, I'm not saying that at all. I don't, I don't feel that way. But nonetheless, we can agree that Christianity is, is, is not something that is of popularity today. It's not something that, that people think is, well, for the lack of a better word, cool, if you'll allow me to use that. But this idea, this concept that Christianity is in a decline and, and, and it being a, a new thing is not at all true. You see, not fearing God and not serving Him and not obeying His voice is not a new thing. This is not a new problem. It's been going on for a long time. And I want to take the time this evening, if you'll allow me, to consider some things that we see in the book of Hosea. I'm not going to go into a, a great uh, detailed study of the book of Hosea this evening, but I want to consider some things. But if you have your Bibles with you this evening and you'd like to turn along, before we get into that, I want to look in Deuteronomy chapter 6 at some things that Moses has to say to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 6. You'll recall in chapter 4, Moses forbid the children of Israel against their sin of idolatry. You know, they're not so far removed from the land of Egypt that they'd forgotten what God had done for them, but here they are being forbidden from their sin of idolatry. And in chapter 5, we see Moses delivers unto the children of Israel the Ten Commandments. Now, here in chapter 6, beginning in verse number 4, Moses addressing the children of Israel, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these things which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt speak of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontless between thine eyes. 
Thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and on thy gates, and it shall be when the Lord hath brought thee into the land which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fieldest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards of olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou hast eaten and been full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods or the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord be kindled against thee, and destroy thee off the face of the earth. You know, Moses, he, he says, boys, we're going to lay the cards out on the table right now before the ball ever gets going good. He kind of lays the foundation here, gives us a formula. He tells them, look, these things I tell you today, they're important and you need to keep them in your heart. You need to teach them diligently to your children. You need to speak of them always in everything that you do. When you sit down, when you lie down, when you rise up, whatever it is that you do, you need to be talking to these things. You need to write them on your hand. Bind them for a sign upon thine hand. Let them be as frontlets between thine eyes that you see them always in everything that you do. And he tells them this for a purpose. In verse number 12, in the end of verse number 11, excuse me, he says that when you have eaten and been full, then beware. He says when you have eaten, your belly is full, you have no need of nothing, no worries, then you need to beware, lest you forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt and from the house of bondage. He tells them that you do not need to forget your God, the God who made all of these things possible for you. The God who gives you all of these things, give you great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, houses full of all good things which thou fieldest not. He warns them of forgetting their God because he tells them that if they forget their God, they go after these strange gods, the gods of the people which are around about them. They go and they play the harlot and the anger of the Lord will be kindled against them and he'll destroy them off the face of the earth. He's very blunt. He's very clear with them. There's no guessing he says, you do what I tell you today, God will bless you. If you don't and you go after these strange gods and you play the harlot and you forget your God, he'll destroy you. So right out of Jump Street, Moses, he, he starts out with this here in Deuteronomy 6. Before the ball ever gets going good. And I wanted us to, to see this before we get into the book of Hosea because the reason I want to look at some things in the book of Hosea is simply to see the state that Israel is in with their God. I want us to see tonight where it is that Israel is at, at this point in time in the book of Hosea. If you will, go ahead and turn with me over to Hosea chapter 1. Now remember the things that Moses told the children of Israel before we ever get going good. Now here in the book of Hosea, I'll tell you, Hosea, in my own opinion, is a very unique prophet. And I'll tell you why it is that I say that. You see, Hosea was the last prophet to the northern kingdom of the house of Israel. He was it. And in 14 short chapters, we have what it is God would say to the children of Israel through Hosea. Hosea was, was told and charged by God to go and to marry a, a, a woman of whoredoms, he says. In verse number 2, And the Lord said unto Hosea, Go and to take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, and have children of whoredoms, because the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. He says, I want you to go and to marry a prostitute, Hosea. Go and marry a woman that you know will not be faithful to you. 
And when she goes out, I want you to go after her and bring her back. She's going to go out constantly, and you're going to constantly go out after her and bring her back, just as I have with the children of Israel. Just as the children of Israel constantly departed from me, and I constantly had to bring them back. We see that in 2 Kings chapter 17. The Lord pled with Israel and with Judah by all the seers and by all the prophets, telling them to turn from their evil ways. He says, just as I have with Israel, you will with your wife. When she goes out, you go after her and you bring her back. Even at one time, we see Hosea has to buy his wife back. And this is to show him exactly what it is God had to do with the children of Israel. Now, Hosea was to have three children with his wife, Gomer. They had a son, a daughter, and a third child, another son. And in verse number three, the Lord said unto him, Call his name, excuse me, call his name Jezreel, yet for a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. You'll recall in the Bible this place, Jezreel, was, was a place where great conflict and battles had taken place, and particularly the, the slaughtering and the slaying of false religious leaders. And when we look at that, we see a sense that God was pleased with what was done there. He's telling Hosea here that there will be bloodshed. This is the state of Israel. After all that they've done, we've come to this point here with Israel. This is where they are in their last 40 years. God says there will be bloodshed. Now Hosea and his wife conceived and bare a daughter, and God told Hosea to call her name Lohuama, for I will no more have mercy upon the house of Israel but I will utterly take them away. He says, Hosea, every time you call your daughter's name, you will know, you will remember that I have no more mercy upon the house of Israel. That just as Israel has departed from me, my mercy has departed from them. This is not a pretty sight. This is not a, a, a position that, that anyone wants to be in with their God. Not even in the slightest. But this is the state that Israel is in at this time. They conceive and bear another son. The Lord tells Hosea to call his name Lo-Rama, excuse me, Lo-Ami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. This is, this is not a pretty image that we're seeing here with, with Israel. There will be bloodshed. There will be no more mercy. I will utterly take them away. Ye are not my people, and I am not your God. This is what it has all come down to with Israel. And then in chapters 2 and 3, we see more about the life of Hosea. But, but I want to jump right into chapter 4. I want to get right down to the heart of the issue. What has brought them here? Israel committed many sins. But what has brought them here? In chapter 4, verse number 4, or excuse me, verse number 1, Hosea says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath controversy with the inhabitants of the land, because there is no more truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. Just as Moses had warned them so long ago, they'd forgotten about their God. In verse number 2, he says, By swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they breaketh out, and blood toucheth blood. Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beasts of the fields, and with the fowls of heaven, ye and the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. Yet let no man strive, nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall in the day, the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Verse number 6, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. This is where they're at. 
They have forgotten about their God. Instead of taking heed and remembering and doing what Moses has told them, they have forgotten about God. There is no more knowledge of God in the land. This is a problem. This is why they are here. Verse number 10, let's skip down there. He says, For they shall eat and not have enough. They shall commit whoredom and shall not increase, because they have left off to take heed to the Lord. Whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. My people ask counsel at their stock, and their staff declare unto them, For the spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. They did not heed unto the message that Moses delivered unto them so long ago. They did not teach those things diligently to their children. That's why in verse number 6, the Lord says, I will forget thy children. I want us to notice something, two things in verses 11 and 12. He says, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. You remember Ezekiel warned the children of Israel. He tells them that they need to make themselves a new heart and a new spirit. And then he asks them, why will you die, O house of Israel? You can turn all of this around if you'll make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. A heart that will receive the word of God and not be hardened. And a spirit of direction that will turn you away from your sins and ultimately save them from their ruin. But they did not do that. Instead, whoredom and wine and new wine take away the heart. And then, of course, in verse number 12, he says, The spirit of whoredoms hath caused them to err, and they have went a whore and out from under their God. They have forgotten about their God. There is no more knowledge of God in the land. They did not heed unto the message that Moses delivered unto them so long ago. You know, I see this here in verse number 6, excuse me, chapter 6, verse number 6. It says, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. He wanted his people to know them, but they have no more knowledge of God in the land. They have forgotten their God, and we see this throughout the book of Hosea. I want us to look in chapter 8 and verse 14, the beginning of the verse. It says, For Israel hath forgotten his maker. This is their problem. This is why we are here. Chapter 13, beginning in verse number 6, says, According to their pasture, so were they filled, they were filled. And their hearts were as exalted, therefore have they forgotten me. They've forgotten their Creator. I want us to notice here, it says, that when their pastures were filled, so were they filled. When they had no need of nothing, just like Moses warned them of, he says, then beware. Well, they did not. And instead, they forgot their God. He says, they have forgotten me. Let's keep on moving here in verse number 7. He says, therefore, I will be unto thee as a lion, as a leopard by the way, will I, excuse me, will I observe them. I will meet them as a bear that is bewailed of her whelps, and will rend the call of their heart, and there will I devour them like a lion. The wild beast shall tear them. I know this is not a pretty picture. I know this is not a glamorous thing that we're talking about tonight. But it's the reality of Israel and the state that they were in. But my, if you don't take anything else from this sermon tonight, we're fixing to get on down into the last point. I want us to, to pay close attention to this. Because Israel is in a place right now nobody wants to be with their God. Assyria is at the borders. They're ready to march in and slaughter and slay the people. And here we are in verse number 9. He tells them, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. Have you ever felt that way? Thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. In this, in this position that they're in, for the lack of a better word, my vocabulary is not very big, but the state that Israel is in is terrible. They're fixing to be destroyed. But God says, you still have help in me. All you got to do is turn to me. 
you'll allow me, I want to read the last chapter here, chapter 14. Nine verses here. There is still hope for Israel even in this moment. When it looks like there is no help, there is no hope, there's no turning back from this, they're just too far gone. God says, in me is thine help. In verse number 1 of chapter 14, he says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord, say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips, or, or the worship, the sacrifice of our lips. Verse 3, Asher shall not save us, we shall not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the works of our hands. Ye are our gods, for in thee the fatherless find mercy. In verse number 4, are you listening? I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He shall grow as the lily, cast forth the roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, and his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall receive as the corn, and grow in the vine, and scent thereof shall be as the vine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do with any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thine fruit found. Who is wise, and he shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. Even in the, the state that Israel is in, of utter hopelessness, is what we, would, what we would conclude. We would look at them and say, there's no way. But God says, in me there's still help. If you're here tonight and you feel that way, you feel like a Syria is at the borders, ready to march in and take you. You've destroyed yourself. God says, in me is their help. Tonight we have an opportunity to turn to the Lord, turn unto Him, let Him heal our backsliding. Let Him love us freely. And I'd urge you to take that opportunity tonight if you feel so inclined. We're going to offer a song this evening, an invitation. If you have a matter of care you'd like to bring before the congregation, there are men here willing and able and be glad to assist you any way that it is that they can. The service of the the sermon is yours. Please stand and sing.